So we keep on keeping on. Hey, little humans. I'm Norma Jean, and this is Stay Wild. Today, we're interviewing Olivia Colleone. She's a professional music curator. She curates song lists and music for brands, for restaurants, for businesses all around the world. So we're interviewing her, which is really cool. And she's actually made us a custom playlist on Spotify. So check out the show notes. It's really awesome. Um, I'm going to be reading one of my toast poems. You can check out the show on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, if you subscribe, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Enjoy the show. Hi, little humans. I'm here with Olivia Colion. Hi, Olivia. Hey, Norma Jean. So Olivia is someone I met recently here in Bali, and she curates music and atmospheres for brands, for spaces. Olivia, tell us a little bit about what that exactly means. <laughs> sure. I know it can be a little uh, confusing, but it's basically, you know, when you walk into a restaurant or a hotel, it's that moment where you feel like everything fits. You know, I really help to create that in more everyday scenarios. So putting together music, playlists, doing some design work as well, making sure that it creates one cohesive experience for spaces and then also doing it for brands as well. Cool. So when you say brands, do you mean like online or is it more like on commercials or how does that work? So my background is in brand partnerships. So giving brands a voice in the music industry, which is basically like if your brand had a sound, what would it sound like? So helping brands with partnerships that involve music or just just simply curating playlists, you know, Let's say there's a brand that's like a lifestyle brand that's super, that has a product, you know, like a, like a water bottle, let's say, like a really cool water bottle. It's the coolest water bottle ever. Okay. <laughs> you know, and like yeah. people like love this water bottle mm. and they have an Instagram where they show this water bottle all around the world and they promote this lifestyle around it. It's like, well, what does that, you know, what music can you fit with that? Right. So that's really like what my job is and what I do. Okay, cool. And how did you get started in that? Because that sounds like a super fun, awesome thing that everyone's probably like, oh my God, I could totally do that. Like, how? what was that journey like? And we're here in Bali. We're in the rice fields. So if you hear any sounds, it's the motorbikes, it's, it's the dogs, it's the chickens, it's the roosters. So we're coming at you live. So how did that journey start for you and how did it progress to where you are now? I mean, the journey started when I was very little, you know, stealing CDs and tapes from my older siblings. I would always, like, <laughs> you know, the, something would be missing, and they're like, where did oh, Olivia. You know, it's like the boys to men CDs, like the Mariah Carey, oh, the, like, yeah. Pearl Jam, yeah. whatever. Like, really 90s. hoarding them. Yeah. Early 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, being with my sister making mixtapes, you know, off the radio and stuff. And then... I remember when the first CD burner came out, my brother had it, and I was in, like, fifth grade or sixth grade, and I would go to his apartment. He was had, like, graduated from college, and I would sit there once a week, like, making mixes that I still have. And so it was always that person, you know, who, like, loved music and always had it a part of my life. And, you know, bring that through university, like, high school university. I knew I wanted to work in the music industry. Yeah. Of course, being from New York, you know, everyone's saying it's impossible to get your foot in the door. 
you're not going to make any money. Yeah, yeah. Um, Those are common things, right? Like, hey, you have a dream. Let's squash it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a common experience that a lot of people who have passions. I think it's a lot of creative occupations have that. Yeah. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, yeah. So you're from New York. Yes. And you were like, are you from, like, you're from the city? <laughs> I grew up right outside of the city, but like okay, cool. City adjacent, yeah, yeah, city adjacent. I feel like graduating college, everyone who's like is from somewhere near New York is like, I'm making it, world. <laughs> and they move to the big city. Yeah, it's a little bit like Kimmy Schmidt, but you know, no bunker, right? Um, <laughs> so you moved to New York, and you're like, hey, world, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna work in the music industry. Yeah, I had some internships in the summers in college. Okay. Um, that helped me start making connections. Yeah. So, you know, I was interning when I graduated for some indie record labels, which were, like, really big in, you know, 2010, and some doing events for music venues, and I got a job, you know, a few months after graduating, and it was at a big advertising company on their music team. Okay. Our client was American Express, and we were producing American Express's live concert series. Oh, cool. Okay. It was called Unstaged, and I was pretty much like the assistant to the head honcho. Uh And for the next two-plus years, really made myself indispensable to that team and ended up traveling all over the world with them. Cool. What kind of concerts did you guys put on? We did. It was really cool. It was like a live streaming concert where you would take a big artist, like the first one we did was Duran Duran. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it was, you take the artist their first week of when they're putting out a new album. Right. And you pair them with a really cool director, like an Academy Award winner director. Right, right. And they do a whole live streaming thing. Uh Uh-huh. So we did like Duran Duran, we did Coldplay, we did Vampire Weekend, uh, Usher... Kenny Chesney, My Morning Jacket, Mary J. Blige, and I think those are the ones that I worked on. Cool. Those are some big names. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are like, okay, we're taking people that are like, they've made it already, they're coming out with new work, let's do some fun stuff and get into this creative space with like directors and taking their launches to new levels and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. And it's all kind of in the name of American Express, which was, you know, the brand behind it. So it's yeah, also... Cool. That was where I learned about how you pair a brand's audience to a music platform and program. Cool. Okay. So it's really interesting, the idea of pairing, like, the target market or audience of a brand with, like, with a sound. So Mm -hmm. how do you... I mean, is it, like, intuitive? Is it a feeling? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely part of that, for sure. You know, I think you have to understand the soundscape of and you know the music business and how it works part of it is also timing so you know when I was started doing this in 2010 it was really at the point in the music industry where like they were trying to figure out how to make money you know artists oh, right when and people were like labels. Napster and all that yeah. yeah I mean Napster was before but it's like okay you know it's really like the beginning of Spotify and all these things so it's when brand partnerships really started coming out. Artists started realizing, you know, I could I can get a ton of money by doing this like one concert for a brand. 
right, you know, okay. or doing some sort of endorsement. Right. So I'm still making my art, but with in with integrity, but I'm also bringing it to the specific audience, and there's a, a benefit. Yeah, yeah. And it's really the only way at that point where artists are making big money, you know? Okay. Like Oprah money. <laughs> Is that what you mean? Like big money? Yeah, you know, like a few Like the rock star grand. lifestyle money. Yeah, because okay. that d- doesn't really exist anymore. The whole like rock star. Right, the 80s metal hair bands. Yeah. Like big money, Batman car kind of thing. Exactly. Okay. So like you're not making really much money to support that type of lifestyle that you right, want. Right, because album sales are so low right. because of downloading and all that. So yeah, artists, I think they're in the beginning, artists were really reluctant about working with brands. It was a big whole thing of like, am I selling out, you know, but yeah. then realizing and brands started getting more savvy and understanding, you know, how to work with artists and working with people, you know, like me and people who are the middlemen, right? So it's not... Right. So who connect the dots. Right. We say, we want to bring your audience this great content and the content provider is saying, hey, there's a benefit for all of us. So it's mutual. Yeah. That's awesome. So first you did that in New York. You came out. You were fresh out of college. You were like, hello, world. Yeah. I'm Olivia Colion. <laughs> but like Kimmy Schmidt, but not. Um, and then, so you did that for how long? With um, Did that for just over two years. Okay. And then how did you, what was your next step? Next step was not being, a, you know, formally an assistant. Because I was right. still like formally an assistant right. and in more of a corporate environment where they were like, oh, you have this title, so like your next step should be this, even though I was doing work that was so much more. Yeah. So I had to leave and I started working for a really cool company called The Fader, which is like a much younger, cooler lifestyle company. They do they have a magazine that's really well known. They're mm-hmm. known for breaking artists, like supporting emergent okay. artists. They gave Kanye his first cover, like Outcast, you know, just tons and tons of huge names. And that's like a music publication? It is. They cool. have an agency side. Okay, cool. So they had signed Puma oh, right. as a brand. Mm-hmm. Puma like the shoes. Them. Puma like the shoes. <laughs> like the soccer shoes. I mean, even in my interview, they were like, do you know you know Puma? I was like, yeah. They're like, have you worn Puma since sixth grade? You know? It was yeah. like kind of... Yeah, because there was that, that... I mean, we're about the same age. I'm about 30. Yeah. And I turned 30 this past year. And there was this phase, like, I think... Fifth, sixth grade, Adidas and Puma. Yeah. And it was like, the, it was, that was the thing. Like, you know, we were like wearing the shoes with the stripes on the, the side. Sambas. Yeah, and like the zip-up jackets. It was like a whole, it was it was a total trend. Yeah. I'm doing the whoop trend arm right now as I do this. So you came on and you, you helped bridge that, I think, between Puma and... Yeah, so working at the Fader was like totally different than working at, you know, where I had been previously, which was much more corporate. Basically, they hired me to lead their account with Puma, you know, Puma had a relationship with a rapper called Meek Mill that I inherited, but then it was like, how do we expand it more into music? So you look at Puma, you think, okay, kind of an underdog brand, they've supported these underdog athletes like Usain Bolt and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Who's no longer an underdog. Yeah, who's (laughs) no longer an underdog. (laughs) Who DJed the after party when he broke the world record. Like, let's be real clear about that. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, wait, wait, I'm going so fast, let me just fist bump in the middle of my 100-meter dash, is that right? And then let me DJ the after party. Like, total underdog. Yeah, I mean, that's like true Jamaican right there. Yeah, totally. But going in, he definitely was the underdog, going into that race and everything, Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just, yeah, in his career, they've been supporting him for a while. Anyway, yeah. 
We created a, par- a program for Puma that was supporting emerging hip hop artists because hip hop and sneaker culture yeah, yeah. mix, you know, mix as well. And signed amazing, like young rapper dudes mm-hmm. who were just the cutest things ever. Oh, um, baby rappers! <laughs> yeah, it was. It was always like me and my little rapper. <laughs> okay. Ooh, we've got a dog. We've got a live a one. Feisty one <laughs> here in the rice fields. Um, so. Okay, so you had you you worked with a lot of emerging talent, yeah, and then pairing it with brands. And so, how did you? So from there, it sounds like that's kind of like a career niche for you, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that really kind of like took the niche. And so, how did you end up in Bali? And how did you make that step? Like, what were the like? How did you go from like, okay, I've established this career niche, I'm gaining some traction, I'm doing some stuff, I'm connecting the dots. I've got my baby rapper crew. <laughs> I've got my Puma jacket on. Um, and how did you go from from having that brand niche to coming out on your own, starting something on your own, and really living life on your own terms, staying wild? Yeah, and being in the rice fields of Bali. Being in the rice fields of Bali with the barking dogs. Yeah. You know, when I was at the Fader, it was an amazing job, but it was in super intense, and I burned out. You know, I was there for about two years, and it mm-hmm. was just... Amazing and intense, and I knew I had to take a break. So I quit my job and traveled the world for almost a year. Wow. Where did you go? I went to a lot of places. Costa Rica, Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina. Then I went to Africa, Kenya, Uganda. Cool, 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 cool. Then I came to Southeast Asia, and it was the first time that I came to Bali. It was two years ago. Okay, cool. So you were... So when you told everyone, like, hey, guys, I'm quitting my job and I'm going out on the road, like, what was the general response and how, how did you feel that? You know, that's a good question. I feel like I almost don't even remember what the initial response was because maybe anything negative I've blocked out. <laughs> you were like, it doesn't matter. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, of course, worry. Are you going to be okay? Can you do this on your own? Can you right. travel the world, like, as a single female? I get that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, would you ask a guy that? No. No, of course not. Like, I'm making the no face. Yeah. <laughs> no. The disgusted no Yeah, face. I'm making the, like, oh, no face. Yeah, so that's amazing. And you did it all by yourself for, like, a year. Yeah, for about nine months. That's pretty cool. And I met up with some friends along the way, which was unexpected, but super fun, you know? That's the best, when you're like, a familiar face! You know all my stories! <laughs> so, where was your favorite? Oh my gosh, I love Brazil. Mm, I've heard good things. Brazil was amazing, and that was right at the beginning of my trip. Uganda was incredible. Kenya was amazing. And then Vietnam. Oh my god, I think I ate my way through Vietnam. It was so damn good. <laughs> and Hoi An is like one of my favorite cities in the world now. Mm. And then Bali, you know, I was here. It was a very different experience. I wasn't nomading or working. I was just being a tourist here for a month, which I think is much less ideal. That's kind of how I moved here. I came here as the same. I was like, oh, Bali Bliss. And then it kind of turns into something else. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are my top for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you traveled around the world for nine months, almost a year. You you quit your job. You're like peace, New York. Yeah, then <laughs> New York. Um, this is my horrible New York accent. And then, okay, so then you came back 
You, did you go back to New York? How'd that work out? I did. Okay. You know, of course, when you're traveling, as I'm sure like most travelers have, you know, can experience, people are like, what are you going to do after? Right, right. They're like, wait a minute. You've paused your life. Do you know where the play button is? Yeah. yeah and you're like, yeah, no, it's still there. It's cool, guys. Yeah, yeah. I still have a resume. I'm great. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like, especially being from a big city like New York, you are a little bit nervous that like, once you kind of leave the rat race, how do you kind of integrate back? Right. Re-enter. But I was so burned out, you know, it was like I couldn't look for another job. I knew I wasn't going to be happy. So I get, went back to New York and I had like all this energy and I was feeling great. And I was Travel like, okay. bus. Yeah, I yeah. was like smiling on the street, you know, which is like <laughs> not a thing in New York. Like full Kimmy Schmidt. Hello yeah. world. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah. Like walking, like taking my time, you yeah. know, like stopping to smell the roses. And I actually got some, like, I, I knew I wanted to freelance mm-hmm. so that I could still be in charge of my own schedule. Yep. I was still kind of interviewing for jobs just because I started getting amazing offers, offers, right. you know, for like these super she-she type jobs yeah. that I would have loved to have before, right? you know, but then looking, you know, then I get it, like being an event manager at Soho House, I'm like, you know what? Kill me. I think I think it's one of those things. That it's it's always so interesting where the things that we've been trying to manifest or we've been trying to bring into our lives or make happen for so long. As soon as we let go and we're like, I'm done. They're like, Oh, would you like this thing? Would you like this silver platter of all of the things that you wanted? And you're like, World. And sometimes you pick them up and you're like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that or I wanted it a while ago. And you know, sometimes it's really like, Wow, I've really grown as a human being. Mm-hmm. Totally. So you kind of reached that moment of growth, and then what happened after that? You were like, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't put a, a racing thing on me. I'm not in the race. Yeah, no, it was, it's, and it's hard to be in New York and not be in the race. Mm, yeah. And I realized that more as time went on, and I think freelancing for me, like I always, it was good. I was getting good freelancing gigs and making good money, but it wasn't like, challenging really you right. know it wasn't and, like what you what really made your heart sing yeah okay. and I didn't know what did that yet okay so you were um, like still like finding your and I also didn't mm. like what about freelancing is like you always at least for the first year until you really establish yourself mm. you're constantly hitting up your contacts asking for jobs yeah you're, it's a hustle yeah and I hate that I hate asking people for things. <laughs> you know, being like, hey, I don't know if you, like, forgot about me, but, like, do you have any gigs coming up? Hey, I'm still here. Work, please. Yeah. That's for me. I hated it. I hated it. Okay. And I continued to travel a bit when I didn't have jobs, so it was great. I, like, went to Guatemala and Belize and Okay, so you kind of took gaps in between. Yeah. Well, I would be there and, like, email, hitting people up, being like, hey. And I was like, I'll just come back when I get a gig, you know? Right. And... I came when, you know, then in February, I, this company that I've been, I was really into reached out to me and they Mm -hmm. said, we really want to interview you. You seem great for this position. And it was a company called Boiler Room and Boiler Room is like another amazing company in the music industry that's really shaking things up. They're really young. They're like five years old, based Mm -hmm. out of London, and they give emerging music around the world a platform to be heard. So they put together these amazing underground parties and they stream them live all over the world oh cool okay so they were opening a new york office and they were like we need somebody to lead our brand partnerships so i ended up saying yes to that because i was like this is amazing right quickly that so that was last february Mm. 
I was out of there by June. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing about the silver platter. You're like, I really wanted this a year ago, five years ago, six months ago. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. You reach the point where you can't, I think for me at least, sometimes when you have wanted something for so long, once you realize that you're okay without it and you figure out what you really do want to do, when it comes back around, you're just kind of like, oh. It's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> so you were like, okay. Yeah, well, I so it was last Memorial Day weekend, two Memorial Day weekends ago. Okay, so a couple of years ago. No, like a year ago. Okay, about yeah. a year ago, yep. I was in the Dominican Republic with a friend, and she, you know, we were staying in this really cool, like, treehouse villa, basically, or treehouse lodge, whatever. Ooh. And it was super nice, and they there was a main lodge where they were playing all the music, blah, blah, blah. And the music was horrible. Oh no! And you're like, oh my experience. Yeah, no. And I, ta- you know, I talked to the manager, and I was like, who is responsible for this? And he raised his hand. And, you know, <laughs> like, I am. He's like, I am, lady. I and can. he goes, I don't know what to play. And I was like, I do. I know what to play. Yes, this is my thing. When I met Olivia, she was like, yeah. So I'm like a music curator. I was like, I don't know what to play. World, I sing and I write songs, and I mean, I perform and all that, but like. Tell me to put on a playlist. Like, I just, it's it's not in my skill set. I just don't have it. You have, it. like, opposites. Yeah, I wish that I could sing. I have no musical <laughs> talent. <laughs> Everybody tried. can sing. Everybody can sing. But that's another conversation. Yeah. So, you were at this amazing treehouse. Yeah. Hotel, jungle experience, Dominican Republic. And my Republic. friend was like, you know, after that conversation, she was like, this is what you have to do. Yeah. She was like, I feel this for Yeah, you. she goes, I feel this. This is what you have to do. <laughs> and I just, it clicked, you know? Yeah. And for so long, that whole year, I was like, what am I meant to do? What if, What is my calling? I'm not sure. I know it's something, but I don't know what. And you were just kind of letting. click, okay. you know? Cool. And then it was like this aha moment, and I went back and quit. Okay, you were like, ah, bye guys. Okay. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, and then it's like, okay, uh, being an entrepreneur in New York sucks. You yeah. know, it's so expensive. The pressure is so intense. The stakes are so high. Yeah, unless you have a lot of funding. And even if you do have a lot of funding, I would think that it's a, it's a hustle. Then it's high pressure. Yeah. If you have a lot of funding, then you have to deliver on certain things and you don't really have the time and, and space to really think about creating something that's long lasting. Right. And that you that's love. sustainability. Right. Yeah. So you don't you don't have the opportunity to grow small then. Right. Okay. You know, it's so intense. Right. Um it's like diddy or die. <laughs> yeah. And it's just not like a very supportive nurturing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um so it was like, okay, so I've quit my job, where am I gonna go? And like just Bali seemed it just was like mm. in my you know, it was like Bali <laughs> like, Yeah. So you'd been here uh, before and you were like, I'm coming back <laughs> Yeah, because you know, there's such a supportive environment here for entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's true. We have um, one of the best co working spaces here in Ubud. Yeah. It's amazing. There's tons of people here who are shaking things up and doing things differently. You have that support with other people who are just like you, you know, you're, you have so many things that you love to do and you're a very creative person and you're finding outlets for everything, you yeah. know, which is amazing. <laughs> Hello, I'm Norma Jean and I do all the things. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So I think you're right. It's definitely a nurturing environment. So you came back to Bali and then you knew you wanted to start helping spaces and brands and people create the like audio component of those right. experiences. So how did you... How did that happen? How did you start doing that? Well, first things first, I hired a business coach. Okay. I'd never started a business before. Um, For those of us out there who, like, are, like, outside the box adjacent, describe, like, what a business coach is for you and what that experience is like. 
Sure. A business coach is somebody who, I mean, they can do a lot of things, but for me, it was helping create putting an idea and creating a a sustainable business model from it. So everything from, you know, okay, I have this idea. Okay, let's look at this idea and really dissect it. Put it down on paper. Who is your audience? How are you going to build a brand around it? Because for something just like consulting or services, you still need to build a brand around it. You know, you need to figure out your voice and how to attract people and create something that's fun and engaging and dynamic. So she really helped me with that. And also, you know, she's, she was here in Ubud Mm -hmm. and understood the market a bit more. Mm -hmm. So she was the one who initially gave me the idea, like you should look at Singapore. Yeah, you know, Singapore like, is great. Singapore would and be that's a great mostly market where for you. you. That's mostly where you operate out of. Yeah. Okay, cool. You know, like Bali is great, but there's not really the business sense and, like, to be honest, that much money here. Yeah, for Bali, for, for those of you who aren't here, it's it's really definitely one of those places where it's not about commerce and moving forward. It's really more about relaxing and taking deep breaths and that day-to-day life. So that's really interesting. So. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you, I mean, for, for some of us, like we, for most people, I think, you know, like, you know, when you're uncomfortable, right? Like, you know, when you're sitting in a chair and like, you just don't feel like there's no back support or whatever, like, Mm. and for music, like, how does that play in? It's, you know, a lot of spaces, you know, especially like restaurants, hotels, co-working spaces, anywhere where that's kind of a social and public space. They think that they can really play whatever, you know, put take that stuff into their own hands. Right. Or staff plays whatever they're in the mood of. Right. It's like and that one cool barista. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're even yeah. lucky if you get that one cool barista. Most of them have no sense. Right. You know, they just want to play what they like, but yeah. that's not the best representation of the Right, of the brand, brand. or maybe the experience even right, that people right. want to have. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, I've been places where I'm like, I listen to music and I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then you want to stay longer and you want to, you know, if you're at a coffee shop, you want to have that second or third coffee. Because yeah. you're just like, I just want to be here and, like, hear this music and hang out in this space. And you feel relaxed and comfortable. You know, there's so much science about how music affects people and how it affects Mm. our brains and how it affects our moods and how it affects our productivity and our spending habits and Mm. everything, you know, even in retail, it's, it's hugely important what music is playing. Um, so what are some of the different kinds of music like genre wise or tempo wise that mm -hmm. you play for different experiences? So for example, if you're in a restaurant and you want a higher turnover rate, right? So let's yeah. say it's brunch on like a Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, like the the high, right? The yeah. rush hour of brunch. And you have like a line outside. You know, you kind of need to get people in and out relatively quickly. So yeah. you bring the tempo and the BPM up. Okay, BPM is beats, beats per, per minute. minute. Yeah. Okay. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> I do make music. Thank you. Um, okay, so so you, instead of playing like a... Like Nora Jones. Right, instead of playing like a Nora Jones or like a chill, you'd move it up to like Taylor Swift, like shik ah, Is that kind of how that Yeah, happened? yeah. Okay. And then if you, let's say for like a cocktail place, you know, like you Like swanky want, cocktails? Yeah, swanky cocktails. Swanky. Cocktails, okay. Where you want people to get that extra cocktail, you know, and yeah. spend that extra money at the bar. You bring the, the BPM lower. Okay. That's when you have that lounge sound. Right, right. You, I mean, you don't want people falling asleep. <laughs> right. No, no, it's not, it's not, right, okay, got you it. You know, like, but still, like, 
cool and fun, but not as fast. Okay. Um, so that's an example. And then there's a lot about productivity. So, you know, if you need to just, like, get shit done. Yeah. You, at, like, if you need to get shit done that doesn't really take that much brain power, like accounting, right? Or, like, right. bookkeeping or whatever, just inputting data. Yeah. You can listen to music that's faster and that has lyrics because... You just, uh... Right, because you can kind of tune it out, get in the zone, use the beat, like, exactly. typing stuff in. It helps you build a rhythm. Is mm-hmm. that... Okay. And it also increases your mood, you know? That normally those mundane tasks are really boring, and it's just, like, right. you don't feel excited to do it. Yeah. But if you're listening to fun music, you know, it's much more of a something that you're able to kind of more look forward to and not dread as much. Yeah, okay. But if you're doing something that's like, requires you to engage and use your brain, right. what kind of music is good for that? Much more minimal, you know, people love listening to classical music, minimal electronic music, no okay. lyrics. like soundscapes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, cool. So you mentioned mood a little bit. So mm-hmm. how does music affect people's moods? Like, obviously, you know, when you hear a great song, you're just like, yes! But, I mean, what's the... Can you give us a little bit more depth about that? A bit more insight? Sure, yeah. I'll see exactly how much, uh, like, terminology I can actually remember. <laughs> um, Use the big words. No, but, you know, mu- music releases serotonin. And it's also linked to kind of the area in your brain that makes you more, like... It makes makes you happier. So you're more willing to collaborate with people. You're more open... Music releases serotonin in your yes, brain. Yes. Cool. Okay. So it really kind of like engages you as a human being to connect with other human beings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Even, you know, even like really depressing music when you're like going through a breakup or something and all you want to do is listen to like Thrasher or whatever. Right. And you're just like, <gasps> the world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Your brain is still releasing serotonin. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Good stuff. The science behind music. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to hear more from Olivia on playlists and some other cool stuff that she's going to give you some tips on. Um, so thanks for staying with us. And this is Stay Wild. Today's podcast is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I'm a singer, songwriter. I draw an original, inspirational cartoon every day on my Instagram and website. And I write songs and sing them on my website as well, on Bandcamp iTunes. So you can check that out looking for Norma Jean Bali. Thanks so much. And you can uh, follow the show, subscribe, like us, write us a review, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere else. And let's get back to the show. Hi, everyone. We're back with Olivia Colleone, and this is Stay Wild. So, Olivia, you were talking earlier before the break about how mood and music work together and how music releases serotonin from your brain, enhances your mood, and different kinds of music to listen to. So, Mm -hmm. what are you listening to right now? Like, give us the goods. (laughs) This morning, I was listening to Miles Davis when I was doing some organizing and cleaning, but then it got a bit too intense for early morning, so I put on the soul playlist. I listen to everything. My personal favorite is, like, reggae dance hall. Reggae dance hall. Oh, yeah. Okay, and so for, for those of you out there who aren't familiar, Miles Davis is a jazz trumpet. 
I think, trumpeteer from the 1950s, like part of the American jazz tradition. And dance hall, can you talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, reggae dance hall, it's from Jamaica. It's a much, dance hall is like just a much faster, I guess, party version of reggae. Involves lots of dancing and sweating. Cool. Yeah, I feel like whenever I listen to dance hall, it's one of those genres of music where you just like can't help but move. Exactly. You're just like, I gotta get in the groove. (laughs) Like, get me in it. Yeah, cool. So, reggae, dance hall, jazz. And what do you listen to, I guess, for people that are looking for productivity? You said like classical music. What do you listen to for motivation, I'd say? Motivation. That's a good question. Me personally or like a playlist? All of it. Okay. I think it depends on who the audience is, right? So let's say if it's just people like our age, you know, let's say like millennial. Millennial, 30-year-old, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I need like a midday uplift, right? So it's yeah. kind of like that 3 o'clock It's like 2 slump. or 3 o'clock and you're like, I could have another coffee, but will I go to sleep on time? Like, yeah. will I be happy with my decision the next morning? No. Right. What do you, what do you use? I like-, like to put in a little bit of hip-hop, some fun female songs that are a little bit edgy. Give me some examples. What do you mean by fun female edgy? Oof. Who are some artists that are like... You know, I'm actually terrible at answering questions about like specific <laughs> artists because there's so much music out there. Yeah, that, and, you just and for feel me, it's more about the feeling. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's great, though. So when you curate music lists, it's not about the name or the, or the recognition. A lot of the time, sometimes you probably want to work with music that people are familiar with that have that familiarity. Yeah, so Is it's good right? to mix it. So you want to include songs that people know and new songs so that they like have a point of familiarity and they're like, oh, okay, I know this song. And then you kind of bring them into a new territory and they're like, oh, but this is really cool too. I'm going to Shazam it or whatever. Yeah, and, and then Shazam, bring- for those of you who don't know, it's the app that recognizes music. So you open it and you, you turn it on when the music's playing and it tells you what the song is. It's very cool. I use Shazam daily. Shazam! That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a cool app. Okay, so that's awesome. And, and what are some recommendations you have for our Stay Wild Little Humans yes. about making a playlist? Like, how do you create that journey of, like, the familiar music, the unfamiliar music, the mood, the, like, you know, like, how do you curate that experience? Like, what, what are some tips you have? I think it's going to sound a little bit corny. No, just throw it out there. But I I <laughs> literally, let's say I'm curating a playlist for a party. I think about the party. I think about... So you visualize it. Yeah, I visualize it. I think about the party. I think about who's going to be there and what type of energy I want to feel when I'm in that party. And I, like, close my eyes and I feel it. Almost. Wow. So, because a lot of, a lot of like top athletes do the same thing. They have visualization techniques. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, they'll visualize like a skier, will visualize going through the course. Um, and it helps them when they're actually physically doing that. So mm-hmm. that's amazing that you, you do that. You like visualize the experience you want to have and then, you know, your present meets that visualization. Yeah. It's so much, it's very feeling based, you know, and then once I kind of have that sense, I'll, I'll start brainstorming I'll start writing those feelings down so it's not as much about the genre or the artist names as you said right it's just about the feeling and what fits that huh Um, so you write down like I want to feel happy or I want to feel yeah 
like, for example, I'm curating music for this upcoming fashion show in Singapore where they are working with 11 different emerging designers. Wow. And each designer is very different. Mm. And so I reached out to each designer and just got some keywords from them about their brand, Mm -hmm. looked at images, and then from those keywords, I'm able to really put together an idea of what type of music would Mm. fit for them. Mm. So what are some keywords, not maybe specifically for this project, but in general? Because I would just like say a feeling, but is there, I mean, do you think about colors? Do you think about age? Do you think about, I mean, could it be like, you know, leafy or like how weird sure. do you get with the wording? <laughs> like, how, how, like what's that creative process like? Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm, like it's not so abstract actually. So it's not as much about colors and stuff. Definitely audience. So like who is your target audience? Who is using the space or who's using this brand? For space, what types of transitions does it go through in a day? So in the morning, you know, are people, how are people using it? Are people coming here and, you know, having their coffee? Are they taking meetings? Then does it transition into people really working and being on their laptops? Or, right. you know, does it at then night? Then the lunch crowd, then happy hour kind right. of thing. So, like, what are the transitions a space goes through? Just naturally. Like, what's the natural rhythm of an environment? Okay. And then I really ask about their marketing language. You know, like what language do they use when they market? So, you know, what keywords? So, like rebellious, you know. Like what words help creative. define the brand? Yeah, exactly. Okay, like what are the values of that brand? So, like like a brand that we could talk about would be, I don't know, throw one out there. Like Puma, for example. Right, like Puma. So it would be like sporty. Right. Underdog. Right. Colorful expression right exactly okay Okay, cool that makes sense and then i definitely want to know if there's music that they hate yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know like some people actually feel really strongly towards hip-hop and like i never i'm i love hip-hop but i'm not gonna be putting in like trap music which is like kind of hardcore hip-hop you know i'm not familiar yeah so it's like i think people get really nervous that i'm gonna be throwing in this super explicit like intense oh right music but there's so many different types of hip-hop that are more, like, jazzy, that are just super chill, Yeah, you know? Yeah, I feel like hip-hop is a really diverse genre. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you have the words, you visualize the space, mm-hmm. and then from there, how do you go about, like, actually picking the music? I have a big library that I'm, that, you know, as I've kind of started this venture, have had to organize. <laughs> yeah, and no, I'm sure. As, it's funny, because as technology has evolved, it's like, I sometimes I'll find, like, an old device or something, you know, like, an I like, you know, when I'm traveling, and I have, you know, like, a bag of, like, electronic cords, I'll be like, oh, my old iPod Touch, and then I'm like, oh, right, and then there's all this, like, music that I've hoarded that is irrelevant, you know, to my current experience, mm-hmm. and stuck on some small device. Yeah, like, <laughs> I know. Especially since, like, I use Spotify. Okay, Spotify, that's a good one. Yeah, I really love Spotify, and I've been using it for the past almost 10 years, like, 8 to 10 years. And Mm -hmm. transitioning from my Apple iTunes to Spotify, you know, it's, like, all of that music that was on my iTunes from, like, you know, high school, college, like, I had tens of thousands of songs on my iTunes that I just don't, like really used now. Yeah, they're not in your kitty. Yeah. They're not, like, you don't have, they're not in your current tool belt. Exactly. They're in the tool belt on the shelf. Exactly. Okay. Okay, cool. That's really interesting. And, um, okay, so you use Spotify, and do you make playlists on Spotify? I do, yeah. Okay, cool. So do you have some that you share on your current Spotify? 
<laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Usually I put a, for each client that I have, mm -hmm. I'll create kind of a sample playlist. So it's like, do you want to hear the um, sound of Don Ho in Singapore? Like, here's, you know, 20 songs. Don that Ho, like the Hawaiian... Yeah, so that it is, yeah, it's a Hawaiian guy, but it's the name of the restaurant. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They named I'm it after of, the guy. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So Don Ho was a very famous, like, um, he played a lot of Hawaiian classics, I think, in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, Is exactly. that right? I think I met him at, like, a trade show when I was a very young child. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and so they, so their restaurant probably also has, like, Hawaiian island vibes. Actually, it doesn't. Oh. <laughs> The, but their sister one does, which is okay. kind of attached, and it's called Luloku, and it's much more Hawaiian, okay. like, tropical vibes. Right, okay. So it's like a brother and sister restaurant. Okay, and what's the Don Ho one like? <laughs> the Don Ho is, it's much more upscale. Okay. Um, it's like rich mahogany. Yeah, it's beautiful, it's tropical, it's trendy, it's high-end, and it it was an interesting experience, actually, creating the playlist with them, because... The guys who run it are young. They're super in the know. You know, yeah. they're... They know what's up. They know what's up. They're, Food trends, design trends, yeah. Yeah, and they have a lot of experience in music. So they had, they kind of had a very keen idea of what they wanted, and they were like, okay, this is what we want. Yeah. You know, and I was looking at it, and I was not feeling it, you know? Yeah. Just like, hmm. It was a lot of, like... ABBA, Staying Alive, like that type of stuff. Oh, like Disco Fab. Disco Fab. Okay. And I was just, I told them, I was like, listen, these are great for a theme night. Yeah. But you're going to drive people insane if you play this all, every night. Yeah, especially if you're, I mean, it sounds like the price point's rather high. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're talking about, like, really nice ahi and probably a lot of other fun, really fun culinary things on the menu. So, I think it, you know, when you when you get into music that has such a strong association, good or bad, it probably influences the experience more specifically. For sure. And staff, you know, like, you have to think about staff because the service that they provide is greatly influenced by their moods. Yeah. And if you're playing music that's driving your staff insane, Nuts. it's going to be horrible. <laughs> I once worked at a at an upscale clothing retailer in the States in, when I was in college, and they played this, like, soft, early 70s... I no, I just I like literally I would work eight hours selling cardigans to this music, and by the time the store closed, I was ready. Like my ears were bleeding. Yeah, and it wasn't like the music was great, but you just couldn't listen to it that much. Exactly. So with them, it was interesting, you know, and they were they ended up being more open. You know, I I created playlists for them, and their opening week. They played both. So they played the ones that they had created and the ones that I had. Oh, they did a little experiment. Yeah. How'd and that go? <laughs> they were, you know, they were just like, you're completely right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you're a professional. Yeah, okay. You know, and that's what happens. Like, And mm. I've realized music is a very emotional thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, totally. I mean, of course, that goes without saying, but, like, people feel really connected to their music. Mm. And if you go in and you say... Like, you, you can't go in and be like, no, your music is wrong, you know? They take it personally. They take it super personally. Yeah. And it's very sensitive. Mm. Um, so you have to really say, you know, approach it from a, a, an idea of, like, this is from a branding perspective. This is going to be, you know, this is completely objective. I'm not going in there right. playing Olivia's favorite hits. Right, right. You have to say, look, you know, it, it must be interesting 
coming out as an expert in something that people do in their daily lives, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody has an opinion about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you ever feel like you come up against a lot of emotional or ego or I don't know? For sure. For sure. And a lot of it at that point is about educating people about the power of music as a tool, using yeah. music as a tool. So kind of what we talked about before, like how it affects people's moods, how it affects spending, you know, and if you if they use music that isn't fitting, mm. they potentially lose a ton of money, you know. And, right. This isn't and, personal. This is if people are in your store, let's play music that wants them to buy stuff. Yeah, or just recommending or um, coming back, you know, like right. creating an experience that people want to share. Mm. You know, we live in such a sharing time. Everything is share, 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 share. Mm. So it's like you want to create an environment where people tell their family and their friends and their network about. So yeah, really like mouth. Yeah, I approaching think... it from that uh-huh. is the most effective way. Cool. Amazing. Wow. Well, Olivia, thank you so much. I'm so happy that you came on. Stay wild. How can people find you and find your playlists, find your, are you on Instagram, website? Sure. Give us the deets. Yes. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you. And my company is called The Vibe Project. Vibe Project. The Vibe Project. Oh, yes. And you can find out more on thevibeproject.co. And uh, I'm also on Facebook, The Vibe Project Co. And on Spotify, The Vibe Project. But everything is on the website, so no need to remember it all. Fantastic. And we'll share um, one of Olivia's playlists in the show notes. So stay tuned for that. And thanks, Olivia. Thank you. All right, little humans, here's today's toast poem. This sea is a tempest. My boat is small. Arms weary from oars. Heart weary from cold. Ocean spray assaulting my skin. Waves upon waves. The rhythm of an eternal heartbeat. I ache for the sun. The calm. The light. Warmth. But it cannot exist without its mate. It cannot warm without contrast from which to improve. I cannot say if this boat will one day reach shore, only that the burden is less heavy by the mere mention of you. I call you when I can't sleep in another place, another life. You pick up sometimes. Your voice steadies the storm, and the world is known. Alright, little humans, that was today's show. Big thanks to Olivia Colleone. I hope you enjoyed our interview and check out the special playlist she made for us, the Stay Wild playlist on Spotify. The link is in the show notes. And please subscribe to us. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher. Um, currently, this podcast is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. So you can check out all my music, original songs that I write, all my daily cartoons at njloves.com. Thanks again, and until next time. Stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.